Hi folks, uh, welcome to the DISI podcast. This is the uh, podcast looking at the intersection between the do-it-yourself culture, or maker movement, if you will, and science. Um, basically focus on that kind of stuff because I'm a maker and a scientist. I love talking about both, and I especially love uh, the intersection between the two. Um, those of you who uh, listen regularly probably notice I haven't uh, posted one of these in a little while. My apologies. Haven't forgot about you. Uh, things get a little hectic around finals time. Um, so, uh, those of you who don't know, I'm by day an assistant professor of physics at Arkansas State University. Um, so, we just got through our finals time. Um, I had a little vacation of sorts. Uh, didn't go anywhere, actually. Just kind of disappeared into our machine shop in my uh, makerspace. Um, I founded a university makerspace um, called the A-State Maker Lab. Um, so, been spending a little bit of time in there. Got a couple 3D printers, including a really fancy professional-grade multi-jet 3D printer. I'm sure I'll talk about it at some point in time in the future, if I haven't already. Um, a little uh, Carvey three-dimensional uh, CNC router from Inventables. It's a lovely little machine. Let's me uh, make stuff out of woods, plastics, and particularly circuit boards. I've been doing a lot of uh, circuit board development, prototyping them with uh, the CNC milling machine of sorts, and I've likewise been. Uh, spending a decent amount of time in our machine shop across the hall. Um, I absolutely love working on our uh, 1960s vintage South Bend lathe and Bridgeport mill and all. Um, so my apologies for missing a couple weeks there. Um, whatever the case, we'll kind of get back into it here. Um, what I want to focus on today is taking a look at the total solar eclipse coming up August 21st this year, um, 2017. For those of you listening after this point, hopefully you got to experience the thing. Um, whatever the case, I've talked about this eclipse before, what's been dubbed by some as the Great American Eclipse. Um, why the Great American Eclipse? Well, it's been quite a while since um, the, the continental United States has seen a total solar eclipse. Um, there was a, an, an eclipse that went through Hawaii back in 1991, I believe. Um, the last one to touch the continental United States, I think, was about 40 years ago or so. It's been some time. Um, for most of us, unless you're an eclipse chaser, it's probably going to be your first experience with a total solar eclipse. It'll definitely be mine. I've, uh, I've seen an annular solar eclipse when I was in Lubbock, Texas. Um, that particular type of eclipse is where the moon is fairly far away from Earth, so it even though it passes between Earth and the Sun, um, the size of it is smaller than the size of our Sun as we view it. Right? So um, I guess I should be particular there. It's called an angular diameter. right? Whatever the case, um, 
annular solar eclipse was pretty neat, but note since the moon is far enough away, its angular diameter is smaller than that of the sun at that point, there's still lots of sunlight that bleeds through and you just can't look at the thing without lots of uh, proper eye protection, if you will. This great American eclipse that's coming up is a proper total solar eclipse, which means the moon is close enough to us that its uh, angular diameter is bigger than that of the sun, so it will completely block out the sun. Right? As it completely blocks the sun out, only during that period, you can actually look at it with your naked eyes. Right? Um, before, even if it's just partial, you definitely need some... Uh, seeing protection, if you will, or you need to come up with some other apparatus. Um, what I ultimately want to talk about today is some of the stuff that maybe y'all would be interested in making for this total solar eclipse. Um, so, whatever the case, um, this Great American Eclipse, called Great American just because it's it's been a while, obviously, and more importantly, it's path of totality is stretching from Oregon to South Carolina. It is cutting across the continental United States. Um, within the path of totality itself, there's at least 12 million people, I believe, with uh, as many people who will be traveling to the path of totality. There will be quite a lot of people there, for sure. Um, whatever the case, most not all of the continental United States should at least get a partial solar eclipse. Um, so if you can't make it to the path of totality and experience the total solar eclipse, well, there's still plenty of stuff you can do there. Um, it's a neat celestial phenomenon, whatever the case. Right? Um, there's plenty of people, when they talk about this event, they'll get... Uh, pretty high and mighty and just oh you have to get to the path of totality you have to you're a terrible person if you don't well no uh, a lot of people just physically can't make it to the path of totality there's no shame in that all right so not going to be one of these eclipse people who shames everybody for that kind of stuff all right um if you're in the continental united states you'll see it to some degree um if you're in the path of totality, though, and the skies are clear, you're in for a uh, quite an experience. Right? Um, I mentioned on a previous episode. I mentioned on a previous episode my involvement with the Eclipse Ballooning Project, which is a NASA-funded um, research project, research and outreach project um, administered by the Montana. State University, Montana Space Grant Consortium. Um, with this particular project, um, there's going to be at least 57 teams who will all be launching a common set of equipment on high-altitude balloons during this total solar eclipse. So we're going to be lining up all along the path from Oregon to South Carolina. We're going to be launching our balloons so that they are at a high altitude for the couple of minutes of totality. Um, 
So in our particular case, our team, which is the Arkansas Balloon Sat team, um, will be in Fulton, Missouri. Missouri, Missouri, however you want to pronounce it. That's uh, basically central Missouri. Um, fairly nice place, I think, to actually launch and recover one of these balloons. Um, not a whole lot of airspace restrictions out there. Not a whole lot of population, as long as it doesn't get too terribly close to St. Louis, if you will. Um, there in Fulton, we're going to have a about two and a half minutes worth of totality. So our ultimate goal here is to time everything just right so that our high altitude balloon is above 80,000 feet during totality. Um, at that altitude, basically your horizon extends out a few hundred miles. So I think about 100,000 feet up your horizon is nominally 400 miles or so. So you have a very great vantage of uh, Earth itself. What we're doing here is not putting these balloons up to look at the sun during the eclipse. Um, I'm sure we'll inadvertently get some pictures of that, but that's not the focus of this project. There will be plenty of people on the ground with um, exceptional equipment out there looking at the sun uh, taking images of the solar corona for instance this um, features outside of the sun itself that are quite interesting but basically we can't see them normally because of the glare of the sun during daylight right so when the moon blocks all that we can see solar corona which is cool stuff um, but we're not really looking at imaging the sun from a high altitude. What we want to do is look back at Earth. We want to see this shadow racing across Earth, right? the umbra as it's called. Um, not exactly a circle if you will, but imagine something circular like a big shadow that's about 70 miles wide racing across Earth at about 1400 miles per hour. That's what we want to see. We want to provide that perspective to the rest of the world of seeing that shadow race across, in this case, the United States. All right, it's a rather ambitious project. Um, one of these teams at least will succeed. All right, we're gonna have some really cool footage. We'll be able to recover from our cameras. But what's uh, particularly special about this project the Montana State University group has designed this so that we can provide a live video stream to the whole world. All right. So one of the payloads that we'll all be launching, this common set of equipment, is basically a little box with a Raspberry Pi miniature computer in there. It's a little Linux-based computer. I'll be talking about the Raspberry Pi quite a lot in other episodes. This little computer has a simple little camera connected to it. Um, we've got to operate it with batteries since it's not going to have uh, access to a wall outlet at 100,000 feet, right? So we've got some batteries powering the whole thing, a camera, as well as a very special modem. This is essentially a point-to-point -point modem. Um, it operates at, if you want to be fancy there. It's 5.8 gigahertz, if you will. 
essentially a modem um, that can provide enough throughput or it's fast enough that we can stream high definition footage from that balloon down to a ground station up to about 30 kilometers away. Right? Um, one of my main jobs as part of this particular team is to um, run the ground station, a like ground station tracker. So we'll have several computers and basically this little device covered in antennas that's set up to point at our balloon. Wherever it may be, this thing will be pointing at it. Um, one of its defining features is this large satellite dish, essentially. It looks like a satellite dish. Essentially, it is the uh, receiver, the other end of this point-to-point -point modem. So it's a broadband internet connection that we're making from our ground station, in our case Fulton, Missouri, um, up to our high-altitude balloon. We'll be able to take that live stream video and then pass it out to the internet itself. Um, there's actually a, a website set up you can go to right now and look at some interesting videos already. It is streameclipse.live. That's streameclipse.live. Um, they're anticipating a couple hundred million people looking at this website. I wouldn't be surprised. Right? We're going to have numerous teams up in the air at this time hopefully with a good enough signal that we can catch a glimpse of this shadow racing across Earth. Um, this is a perspective that we normally don't see. All right? It's a very rare event. All right? So again, I encourage you all, if you can experience that total solar eclipse, do so. Do so safely. I encourage you all to look up good safety guidelines. Um, it's a bad idea to sit there and just stare at the sun. Even when a large portion of that sun is blocked by the moon, um, be cautious. All right. Also be leery of uh, suppliers of these eclipse glasses, if you will. Um, there are some frauds out there. Essentially, there are some special glasses you can get that will let you look at the sun. All right. Sunglasses will not cut it. Alright, don't let the word fool you there. Um, sunglasses will block out a lot of visible light, which is a good thing, certainly. What you really need to worry about is the invisible light. That is the infrared light, as well as ultraviolet light. Alright, so if you don't have the right glasses, the ones that only block out visible light, you might be able to get sort of a look at the sun and you might think it's pretty dark but frankly that infrared light can make it all the way back to your retinas damage your retinas which is a bad thing and the ultraviolet light much like if any of y'all are welders um, you have to protect yourself from that ultraviolet light that ultraviolet light doesn't actually make it into your eyeballs it basically gets absorbed right on the front of them, on your corneas, and can damage that. Um, it's not good for you. All right, so I encourage you all, go for it. Look up how to look at an eclipse. All right, it's very important that you all don't go blind as a result of this. All right, this is one of those kinds of experiences that you will remember. All right. 
um, chances are you'll want to see another. I have not witnessed one myself. I'm getting ready for this. I, I'm already catching the bug, if you will. Um, but this is a, a very critical point in our history, I think. I mean, this is an interesting celestial phenomenon, all right? Can provide us a, a little glimpse into our universe of sorts. And we're running this project to give you a further new perspective of this event. Um, but what I'm particularly excited about is that the younger generations, my kids for instance, um, they're gonna remember this. This is a formative event, if you will, a very critical event that I suspect quite a lot of kids are gonna get interested in astronomy and science as a result, all right? So it's beholden to science educators like myself uh, to keep everybody safe and to provide an interesting uh, bit of knowledge to everyone. And essentially, um, to help describe what's going on and how ultimately we fit into our universe. All right. Beyond all this stuff, simply sitting back and watching this amazing event, uh, the moon blotting out the sun, this provides us a, uh, a good opportunity to make things, all right? To make interesting creations to help enhance this experience. Um, so on my end, I've been doing quite a lot of work um, on adding more sensors and capabilities to our balloons. Um, so putting Arduinos at the edge of space, there's lots of opportunities to apply that DIY or maker ethos or ethic there, if you will. But moreover, um, you have plenty of opportunities to essentially set up uh, ways of observing the solar eclipse. Um, for instance, make a pinhole camera. All right, this is a very simple device. Practically anyone can go out there and make. All right, good way of doing this. Essentially, if you can take a shoe box or a large box, cut a hole in the front, cover that with a sheet of aluminum foil, and prick that with a pin. Make a tiny little hole in it. You'll note if you basically point that towards the sun, there will be a little image formed. Um, on the other side of that, you can project a very dim image of the sun back. All right. Now it's a little tricky in that uh, the sun only takes up about half a degree. Uh, its width, angular width, is about half a degree, right? So um, the farther you let that image go, the larger it's going to be. You're going to see more detail with that. Right. So I encourage you all to uh, start thinking about this if you haven't already. Uh, look around online, particularly NASA's Eclipse um, resources. They have an extensive amount of resources out there for all age groups, um, as well as check out the Montana State University uh, Borealis team. Um, they've been doing a lot of really great work and lots of cat herding with us. Um, if you've never been around academia, just um, at least take my word for it. It's probably not an easy task managing 57 different teams. 
um, from all across the United States. Um, my hat's off to them. They do an amazing job. All right. So, whatever the case, I'll leave it off there. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about the eclipse in more detail as time progresses. Um, I'll get into more detail about kind of stuff that you can make to enhance your uh, experience. So we'll talk a bit more about pinhole cameras and some other ways we can go about observing the eclipse. And I would like to go into a bit more detail about the light spectrum of our sun. Um, and how essentially why I say be careful, don't let the infrared or ultraviolet light destroy your eyeballs. Well, I'd like to talk a bit more about that and we can understand that fundamental science to basically drive uh, our do-it-yourself projects and such. Um, whatever the case, I'll leave it off right there for y'all and we'll see you next time.